0: Remix! dum
1: the two indie authors. Oh, the two indie authors. Oh, the two indie authors. Uh, 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 oh, Nice. Well, wow, Rob. You've been busy hey this guys. week. I have not been busy this week, David, at all. Um, welcome, everybody, to the 16th episode of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. (laughs) Lyons. Over the next hour, Robert
0: and I will be chatting predominantly about how we craft our novels. From sort of conceiving an idea for a story all the way through to sending that manuscript off to an editor. Um, We will be answering a mailbag question sent in by one of you listeners about how we manage our working week as Mm. full-time indie authors. And later in the show, crime thriller author Rhys Dillon will be joining us Robert and um, to face mm. our seven questions before that though we will begin as we always do by discussing the week that was Robert I guess you have been working on theme tunes
1: Well, not very hard, apparently. No, not very hard. (laughs) Um, No, I am in a jovial mood, David B. Lyons, because um, late yesterday, so obviously we record this on a Thursday, so late Wednesday I returned from a few days in Disneyland Paris with my incredible wife and my wonderful almost three-year-old daughter. So, um, yeah, uh, my mind hasn't really been on the books for the last few days and um, I've done tens of thousands of steps most of which were carrying a child on my shoulders so Great. i feel like they are on the cusp of crumbling beneath me um <laughs> but yeah it was it's been amazing so yeah last couple of days has just been like this magical blur which i guess disney is supposed to be brilliant um but i've done a few you know, i did a few things before i went um as you know, David, we're doing some marketing at the moment for this podcast, um, yeah. trying to get the word out there a little bit more as we grow it and grow the community. Um, I did see, whilst I was in Gay Paris, um, the message you put on Facebook asking people to provide us with a quote for some of the marketing, and I just thought I'd give a little shout-out to our incredible listeners because yeah, blown reading away those with back Eurostar. Oh, overwhelming. So I just, like... Very heartfelt thank you to everyone because uh, after two days of Disneyland with a three-year-old reading those things, uh, you know, <laughs> put, put a little smile on my very tired face. Nice. Um, but yeah, a couple of other little things I've done uh, recently is I've decided to up my mailing list game um, and take a leaf out of your book and put myself a little bit outside of my comfort zone and start doing videos for my mailing list. Great. Um, so I've actually recorded a whole batch of them for my automation process for when people sign up. Nice. Yes. Um, so that involved a lot of, um, takes also, also involved quite a few costume changes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, and one annoying thing was I did an entire batch for my Sam Pope sign up list and then I realized I had my pile of books next to me and I realized I had them in the wrong order. Ah. and I had to record them all again because that wasn't good enough for me. Wow. Perfectionist. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, And one thing, a really good one, something we always bang a drum about is about being an independent author. Would you like a good example of why being an independent author is awesome? Always. Always. Well, I found out, don't know how, um, I just didn't have an epilogue in one of my books, when all my books have epilogues. As in you you miss one out by mistake? As in I I knew I'd written it because it's oh. probably the best epilogue I've done because it really sets up like the next book. But I only found this out when I was uploading um like an audio book and I couldn't find the epilogue file. So I spoke to Lee, who's obviously been on the show, and he's like I never never saw one so then I, I went and looked and on the e-book the epilogue's there but then I looked in the paperback and it's not there oh <laughs> so, I was like oh shit, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> um, I can't remember how long that's been up what, what number so, book is this? number five so also halfway there so luckily um, the epilogue isn't it's not like I've lost left out chapter 28 or something like that the epilogue is literally just it's almost yeah. like a teaser for the it's next separate, book yeah so, um, very quickly, I jumped on Vellum, added the epilogue to my print book, downloaded the file, uploaded that to Amazon. It was fixed within a couple of hours. Yeah. I sent the thing off to Lee, who very kindly recorded the uh, thing, sent it back. So, I've uploaded the audio, I've updated the audio book, and I've updated the um, the Ingram Spark version of the book. So, I did it all when I fixed it all within like a day, yeah, uh, or a day or two. But it was just one of those things where mistakes happened but the mm-hmm. quickness and how rapidly i can fix that
0: yeah and it it's all like... in your control
1: mm-hmm. all under exactly. your control imagine so...
0: the mess of having to go through that with a, a publisher anyway uh, not to, not to be bashing on publishing companies no. all the time but i mean i've been with a publishing company when mistakes were spotted in my book and trying to get them changed was like turning a, a cruise yeah. liner around
1: but and that's three platforms i had to update as well
0: yeah and you did it all
1: so so i could do it all very quickly so yeah i just thought a, a good shining example of why um i love being an independent author um david i know you love being an independent author so what have you been doing for the last week
0: um yeah quite a, a diverse range of of things um which is what the in the author um gig brings us really it's it's the, uh, most of the time we've got our fingers on the keyboard and, and we're, we're typing out a book. But there's so many other areas that we need to be working in. So, uh, well, one of the areas I was working in was forming an idea for my next trilogy of books. I think I have the mm. setting down okay. in my head. I know what the setting's going to be. I need to come up with some thick plot. Uh, I love the setting, but I need to come up with some thick plot um, to go in that. But I'm in no rush. I'm not going to be writing that till the second half of the year anyway. But I like, I love this stage of it where the story mm. is coming to life in my own head and um, it's slowly sleeping uh, sleeping in there so we'll, we'll see where that is um, over the next month or so. I've um, oh I've had a letdown from one of the main production companies who showed great Can't interest they. in Alex they've uh, passed on it which is a little bit disappointing because they were really eager on it uh, we've yeah. still got two big sharks circling it so I'll, I'll keep our listeners up to date if, if anything happens on that over the next couple of weeks and um, I spent a lot of time re-templating a new look email letter that goes out. So I send an email letter out in the first of every month. I've been working on that over the last um, week or so. And what else have I been doing? Loads of stuff. Well, it's the start of a month, so accounts come into it, which is Mm -hmm. the boring part. But I did my accounts yesterday. It took me 20 minutes for a whole month of accounts to just, you know, separate the incomings and the outgoings. Yeah. And um, and and it's just in a word document that I send off to my accountant uh, once a year, literally in April. So that's all done. I'm really looking forward to February. I've set all my new ads up for my new um, America trilogy. So yeah, a a diverse week for me uh, with not too much writing, but it just goes to show that you're you're kept on your toes in this game, really.
1: so david you've already touched upon our uh, talking point this week which is getting an idea from basically its conception all the way through to uh, uh, an entire written document off to the editor so um, as our resident lecturer uh, here at the two indie authors (laughs) um, how's that so you're currently in the middle of that process so i'm going to hand over to you what do you do now to keep kind of blossoming that idea that's already seeping into your brain
0: oh well yeah do you know what funny enough that that's a question i get asked often you probably do as well which Hmm. is normally phrased like how do you come up with your ideas for your books um and, and the problem is is there isn't really a specific answer for it and i've done lectures as you say on this subject of how to form ideas i'll brush on some of those tips now in the next couple of minutes but really i mean my last trilogy the america trilogy Which is about two hundred and fifty thousand words of um, manuscript that I've written over the last year or eighteen months. The idea for that whole trilogy—I'm not joking with you—it fell into my head with a snap of a finger when I was walking down the stairs one day. The whole concept, the whole arc of the three books, yeah. And it's just—I can't. There's nothing tangible. There's nothing I can put my hands on to say this is how I conceived the whole. America trilogy. It literally just snapped into my head that I was going to make a big statement on news media and I was going to do it this way. I was going to tell it from how it all started in the late 90s with 24 hour news channels what it's like today the second book what it's like today with social media and then the third book what it's going to be like in the future and all of that dropped in my head within the space of about two seconds Oh wow! and and a a couple of steps I was making Um, so it's a really bad answer for our listeners to say well ideas just drop into your head but I guess they, they formulate and percolate certain ways I mean I have an obsession with news media anyway so that obviously helped that idea a form in my head mm. uh, so yeah a lot of the tips I give to students when I'm teaching this subject is to watch the news it sounds like a, a, a very basic tip but you, you will get an awful lot of ideas uh, from news stories whether you're reading newspapers which is what people used to do uh, decades ago they don't do it anymore um, watching news you know your social media you'll never be short on stories that could spark an idea yeah. uh, for for a, a book and there's, I mean, I used to ask my students to consider what if questions, like look around and ask what if, you know, if you're, you know, you're standing in the garden and you look up and you say to the stars, you say, what if an alien came down, right? Now, that's been the start of many mm. a fiction idea over the over the decades. So, uh, yeah, there's there's loads of sort of little points, uh, little hints that we can give to help formulate Ideas, but I think once an idea sort of forms in your head, and then it has done for me over the last week, we've just mentioned in in opening the show, I've I've got an idea sort of formulating, it's simmering a little bit in my brain. What I have done over the past uh, 48 hours is start to take a little couple of bullet points, but about where that idea can go, but my main the main ingredient to sort of make this story happen is not what my story will be Mm -hmm. but how I'm going to tell that story Right. so that to me is always the key ingredient is am I going to tell it third party omniscient like most fiction books are Mm -hmm. I've never written third party omniscient I like to sort of get points of view of different characters that this story is happening to now I might mess around with it I might have for example my trial books um there's a bit of a omniscient narration running through that where we're in the jury room with all the jurors and I'm just telling that sort of almost third party. Like a fly on the wall. Like a fly on the wall, yes. Mm. And then it goes into the heads of those on trial. Um And the victim as well so we get the first person point of view for them so that's that's my way of telling a trial story and a courtroom drama and a courtroom drama is nothing new Mm. but that's my spin on how you would tell that type of story so I think your narration and how you will tell your story is probably the most unique um, aspect of your story but it's also the next process for me after conceiving the idea. Yeah. So I've conceived the idea now I'm thinking, how am I going to tell this story? Now, it's different for me to you, Robert, because I'm conceiving um, a new arc every time I'm writing a book. Yeah. Whereas it's probably two or three years since you came up with your whole concept of uh, Sam Pope and him being this vigilante hero. So it's different for you when you're conceiving an idea for a book, because yeah. obviously the main part of it was at the start. And now you've got another eighty thousand words to do a new story. How does that? How do you think? Right, what adventure am I gonna bring Sam on next?
1: So, so for me, it's I, I. When I started out with Sam, I knew I wanted to have like a storyline that ran through the background. It runs through. I'd say the first four books maybe bleeds into the fifth, and then there's always like ripple effects off of it. That he worked for like a covert government. You know operation that wasn't what it seemed,
0: so that's all um, simmering in the background along with your main plot,
1: yeah, so each book has right. like a main plot, like the first one is um some woman is getting he he stumbles across like a conspiracy with the police and some gangsters, the second one the missing girl he tracks down a missing girl who's been taken by sex traffickers and he takes on that empire third one, his mentor is being accused of terrorism, so he has to go and try yeah. and get to him before his old boss who's like the main big bad gets there so like there's these kind of standalone thrillers like i i would always look at it as like if it was a movie this is movie one this is movie two but there was like it was all leading towards this point and then since then it's kind of splintered off into different things so like the book i've currently just started writing now number 11 the that is almost a lead on 12 years on on one of the prequel novellas
0: ah interesting okay
1: where the guy who's in that prequel novella the guy who's basically like the head of the french um art military did a deal with sam's old boss to like basically try and cover up a misdeed that they did and sam survived and now it's it's likely to come out now this guy's running for president of france and great like so so that So what I always do is I, I always now look at it as like, okay, right? who can I bring back? Am I leading up to another character coming back in, kind of keeping the whole world going around like characters come and go, drop in? Great. But I actually think of like fight scenes, action scenes that it can't be repetitive, um, but I will yeah. always think like, What would be a cool action scene? That would be a cool so what
0: what you might start with as you said, you might start with going through your back catalog and seeing what characters you might pull out um and introduce in in a bigger area than in this next book, or you might conceive the idea for the next book by thinking, what jeopardy can I put Sam in, what fight scene can I put him in, and that might explode the whole concept for you,
1: yeah. Exactly that. So I I was like, in this one, I know for a fact, I want Sam, very like the Bourne films, I want Sam to get to a hotel to take somebody out, like his only possible clue to what happened in that prequel novella. He needs to get there before like a French hit team gets there to kill the witness first. And they're going to get there at the same time. And Sam's basically going to fight through them without them realizing who he is. So I've already got that basically written down as like a a sentence before I've even formulated the rest of the plot. So in my head, I'm like, like, that's a couple of chapters of awesome action. So I can do that. And then I'll flesh things out around it. So um, I've had ideas like that come from anything. Like uh, my first book, One by One, there's a fight scene on a um, fire escape between the main guy and like four thugs. Say and it's pretty violent. That all came because I was sat on a wall in Switzerland where my mate used to live, and there was horrible, rickety-looking staircase down the side of a building. I went, that'd be an awesome place for a fight scene in a film. Great. So things like that. So I'm like you, like an idea can come from anywhere. I do have like a. So I say keep a notepad, but it's obviously 2023. So I have files on my phone. I I have one for Sam Pope. I have one for Bermuda. I have one for a few other deers. Anything that pops into my head. I note it down in there. It might get scrapped. It could be a name. It could just be a name of a character because I was like, that's a cool name. So I popped that in there. I could use it, I think, in the last book. No, in in book nine, there's a a hitman called Elias Defoe. I I was like, that's a cool name because I was watching, um, was it The Split? Or something on BBC, and their their right. names in that were Defoe, and I was like, oh, I need to have Defoe as a as a mm. as a name in my book. So, I love
0: coming up with character names. I love yeah. coming up with titles for my books as well. And so
1: I'd say that that would be when the when an idea is formulating. I would always just say just have a thing on your phone just to make sure you're capturing them, noting them down. Yeah, um, uh, it's
0: like, yeah. It's it sounds like a basic tip, but very key. Yeah, I mean, ideas for story. I think everybody probably has an idea for a story in their head. Um, so, given hints on how to come up with ideas, is is probably not uh, our optimum way of of spending this this half an hour discussing this topic. But I will say, if you are stuck for ideas, as Robert said, watching TV dramas that align to the genre you're writing Uh, if you write in romantic comedies watch a lot of romantic comedies and read a lot of romantic comedies if you write in psychological thrillers watch an awful lot of psychological thrillers read an awful lot of psychological thrillers because what can happen is you might be thinking oh this story is going this way and when it doesn't you well then you've suddenly just conceived a whole idea for Mm -hmm. your own story now of course Robert and I repeat this often you never copy so no pleasure isn't to be had. And don't be robbing other people's ideas. Just be inspired by. So, um, yeah, I mean, in order to up ideas, you have to sort of live in the genre. So read or watch movies or TV shows that align to your drama, dra- uh, genre and you might conceive your own idea in some way. So we have an idea down, Robert. Let's say we have yep. an idea. We've been walking down the stairs and an idea fell into our heads.
1: Out of nowhere. Um,
0: god I do know where... What do you... What's your next step then? Do you sort of plot it out, that idea in bullet points like I do? Or do you just get straight into the manuscript?
1: So I think... Forgive me if I'm wrong. I think I've been over the S plan before on this podcast. Oh, you have. It does, it does feel like something I've you said. mentioned so that, just, yeah. Just quickly... So what I do, as soon as I have the idea, say I'm David and I've walked down the stairs, this idea's come in. I might have made a couple of notes on my phone because I don't know, I'm, off, I'm heading off to the shops or something. And so I'm coming back... If you've got those notes, you've still got the idea. I do the S plan, which was the big S on an A4 sheet of paper. And then I just line off from the top is the beginning. The bottom of the S obviously is the end. And I just line off and I just put very basic story structure. This happens here. This happens here. This happens here.
0: So very minimal bullet points coming off that S. However,
1: I've got S plans that fill the entire page. Like it looks Mm -hmm. like the scribblings of a madman. Yeah. If you can kind of work, I don't know. 10 to 15 bullet uh, 10 to 15 lines off you can get a rough structure of a story on that and then i know my books are 30 chapters so i I can't tell you your book will be 30 chapters but what i do is i then plot out chapter by chapter based on that that s plan what's going to happen in that chapter just like two bullet points um, and do you know
0: that? So you've got thirty chapters. Do you know that each of those is going to be twenty five hundred words?
1: Yeah, I, well, I know. To I, to, that's what I aim for. That's what I know. Yeah. I write to. Um, so it's quite formulaic, but it it really works for me. It keeps me structured. But yeah, there'll be bullet. There'll be chapters that I bullet point out that aren't on the S plan. But yeah. say I've done. I've got to chapter seven. I'm writing. I'm now. Because the idea is formulating and formulating, I'm going okay. Well, in this chapter, this can happen. This chapter, this. But I just make sure characters are introduced in certain chapters. Things are said that might reveal a twist later on. And then by the end of the all the bullet points, I basically have a plot line formed out. And I go okay, right now I just yeah. need to start writing it. So, yeah, your whole
0: hook is there. Everything's there. Your yeah, arc is it, there.
1: There's like wriggle room in there. Obviously, if, if things change when I'm writing it, but I, I know I sit there, I go, right, today I have to write one chapter. What's today's chapter? These two bullet points. Right. Okay, cool. Go. Yeah. So that's that's that how I plot out. How, how do you do it?
0: Um, mine is slightly different. And Robert, has a great way um, of... Sort of refining your arc finding your way from the start to the end of your book through the three acts and every story sort of in a traditional way has three acts your beginning your middle and your end so i like i don't like to start plotting out until i know my ending robert mm-hmm. i uh, in fact very often the whole idea is conceived on the ending the end twist and think, yes. oh if i did that and then i'll build a story around it so let's just say i have my idea and i know my ending I've already mentioned this, but my next point, part of call then, is to find out how I'm going to tell this story. So if I figure out, I'm going to have one sort of, um, omniscient sort of narration running through it, and then I'm going to have three different first-person points of views. I will then have a table like in a Word document, a table, very old school this, with the third-person narration and then each of the three main characters that I'm telling in first person. Okay. And I will have bullet points in each of them of where their story's going to go.
1: Do you think, David, just as a quick one, because this is really, this fascinating way of plotting out, going from the back, and I'm sure there's other uh, authors listening who want to write in multiple perspectives, would you be able to share something like this in the group? Cause I'd like to see. Yeah, this. yeah, I
0: could share that. I have, I have all my examples of all my books that I've yeah. done. Yeah,
1: if you could share one yeah. in there, that'd be great for us. To say, I'd like to see it as well.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's very basic and and not so it's, it's not so pretty. It's literally just a word table document uh, in different colors for each. Uh, Pov for each mm. point of view, and and then I will know a bit like you. You say you write thirty chapters, and if you give two and a half thousand words to each of those thirty chapters, you're getting towards your seventy-five, eighty thousand words, which is mm-hmm. the bullseye you aim for. I'm always aiming for a little bit higher than that, between eighty and eighty-five thousand. Doesn't always come in that way, but um, I will know then that I'll, I'm going to need I'm going to need twelve chapters from each of these three points of view. So how can I tell their arc over these twelve? chapters Uh and then I will have 12 bullet points and I'll know that that's what each of their chapters uh, need to be. Now I could start with a a basic bullet point, say if you take my book The Coincidence the opening bullet point was it's Joy's first day in prison Uh and then from that one tiny, tiny bullet point I can create two and a half thousand words of Uh describing what it's like for a woman to, who's claiming her innocence to be to be going into prison for the f- first time, I think I mentioned this on on the show. Actually, and I gave this an example. The reason I say the coincidence is because I used I have used this in a lecture when I've been in university. And um, so, although you, you might yeah so basically I will have a word document with about one hundred. Or eighty bullet points on it. Yeah, but I mean From each perspective. Just would be about ten or twelve on
1: each. Just to to say there, like you you'll say like you've mentioned that coincidence thing before, but Mm -hmm. I mean you wrote an entire chapter based on her first day in prison. But then what that tells you that bullet point is you need to go away and research what someone goes through on their first day of prison. Like the, the practicalities of going through like all the checks, all the processing yeah. but then also psychologically what it does to someone so yes, especially
0: when you're telling it enforced person like i was yes. so, yeah
1: so when we're plotting out these ideas you know they, we, it's not I'll, I'll just have something like i don't know sam goes to this place well i've got to go and research that place i've got to you yeah. know, see how long it takes to get there all the things like how you would get there all these things so i think although they're we're plotting it out we're not um you know it, it's a very loose plot there's still a lot of work that goes into it so yes with that work that goes into it what is your writing process David how do you succinct, succinctly tell me how your um, writing process is when you're in the midst of writing a book
0: yeah so I have my idea I have all my plot down in mm-hmm. bullet points and um, I will I will try and write a, a chapter a day So it could be a bit like you. It could be 30 chapters. So that sounds like that's 30 days in just over a month. You'll have a a first draft. But that's not how it works for me. It never works like that. Certainly not for me. I will wake up on a Tuesday and think. Just don't have it in me today. Mm. I don't I don't have the writing head in me today. I'm going to focus on my marketing or my admin or something. It depends on it depends on how I wake up truthfully. If I wake up naturally. I will be in the mood of writing. If I'm woken up in the middle of a sleep, I'm done for the day. Um but yeah, I will work it out like that. I I, I will I will write about 2000 words a day, which is a chapter for me yeah. when, when I'm in the groove. And there's sometimes where I'm just on a floor where for about 3 weeks solid I've written 2000 words every day. Mm. And then and I've really got the, the bones of a of a the Was manuscript half a written. Book?
1: Yeah.
0: That's half a book done. Yeah. And then there are times where I can go I can go two weeks without writing any words. So it, it's, it's very dependent on my mood uh, and, and my discipline.
1: I'm pretty strict um, with my time. Um, so I'm back writing next week. I kind of caught up on everything I need to do with the book launch and all that. And I've got the next book. I've got my editor booked in. So I now have like a, a, a stretch of time that I know I need to write this book in this time so I I my tip is I I will plan my next week the week before and I use my calendar on my laptop so I already know like next week what I'm doing every day what I plan to do every day at least so um so I block out like three hour blocks to say chapter one and like I said I've got the bullet points down so I've given myself three hours to write two and a half thousand words roughly um, so i've already done chapter one so it says chapter two and then the next day in the next morning for three hours it says chapter three but then in the afternoon because i don't have like other admin stuff to do i've got chapter four so i i put in the time that i'm going to write so my plan is to write five chapters next week across the week um in the times i've allotted to myself so um, the only thing I do before that is I think I've been over this with the tips I eliminate all the distraction the possible distractions so make sure I go you know make sure I have the wee you gotta have a wee wee beforehand tip number one the first tip I ever gave on this podcast people came back for that tip um, but yeah make sure I've got a cup of tea or water have my music ready I have one screen up Do so I have two screens on my desk I have one screen has the plot points that I've bulleted out for that chapter. The other screen's got my manuscript. I disconnect the internet, that type of thing. So I'm very, very strict on that. So next week, I'll sit down. It'll cut flash up on my screen that in 15 minutes, you've got three hours to start writing chapter two. I'll sit down and I will do it. So once I've done all that, David, once I've done all the writing, it's all done, and I've, I've written the last sentence of my um, epilogue. Do you know what I do then? What's that? I do very little. I actually, um, I don't subscribe to the idea of continuously re-editing um, my book, like to the nth degree, because yeah. I don't think it's ever, ever going to be absolutely perfect before it goes to an editor and a proofreader. Um, so I actually listen to a podcast by the people who do It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Um, so they they sit around, they talk about the older episodes they've done. It's a fascinating listen, especially if you're a fan of the show. And the creator, Rob McElhenney, um, he's the guy who owns uh, Wrexham with That's Ryan Reynolds. Right. He, they're talking about getting scripts back from writers too late in the day and how frustrating it is because people keep re-editing and re-editing and re-editing the yeah. script and they just need it. And he said something that I was like, that can, that resonated with me so much was get it wrong as fast as you can because then you've got more time to get it right mm-hmm. whereas if you go right down to your deadline continuously trying and trying and trying uh, to get it as perfect as you think and then send it to your editor it gives you less wriggle room so yeah. what i do is i give it a quick read through um obviously if there's any glaring errors i'll fix them i'll do a spell check and then i give it to my editor right. i don't rewrite 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 because she'll point out if something doesn't make sense if something's not feasible if i've contradicted myself she'll pick that up yeah um and i don't focus on all the spelling and the punctuations because she does uh read through it. but then also goes through a pre reader and beta readers so as far as i'm concerned once it's done it's done it's ready to go
0: it's ready uh, for the edi- we, editorial it is process ready for edit. i
1: I know you've spoken before, David, about having like re edits and stuff. So I'm I'm assuming you have a slightly more thorough process than my yeah, winging but
0: it. This is the beauty of this podcast. It, it goes to show there's no right way or one right way to do it all. Yet yeah, mine is a bit uh, more painful than yours. Mine goes through about at least six redrafts. More um, oh. so, but that's because my first draft, my and um, it is. I'm not reading back over it. I'm not perfecting it. I'm not making sure the spellings and the grammar is correct. I'm I'm just getting out the story and getting out the plot through all these different points of view. Mm-hmm. Then what I'll do is I'll go over it again. Once I've typed the end, I'll go over it again and give it a full redraft in chronological order from the start to the finish. And then because I've written in multiple points of view, I will then go over each character and I'll just read okay. through their parts and redraft it. And, and I will. this is when I'll find the distinctive voice for them. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll go through their voice and make sure it's it's written sort of uniquely and not just in my regular um, typing methods and my own voice, that each character has their own voice. So I'll go through each of them and I'll live with the character for a week before I, I, I really get their sort of 12 chapters down. Okay. Or whatever it is, uh, and then I will. I I once that's all done. Once the redrafting is done, uh, and I'm really happy with you know each voice is authentic and the story is all there. I I'm not. I'm I I put it through a spell check, through a word document, and then I put it through Pro Writing Aid. And uh, just to rid myself of a couple of bad habits. Pro writing aid will never be a great judge of my manuscripts, but it will tell me if I've got bad habits like I've oh you've started three sentences in a row with the word in there. And that yeah. sort of has that's chunky, so that that sort of, I'll fix that. Um, and the reason is the reason I sort of go through thorough redrafts and editing is because when I send it to my editor, and I, I don't have a relationship with an editor like you have, who knows your mm. style inside out and your characters and, and and your voice. I like to pick and choose different editor for a different trilogy. Okay. I, I I have a different editor for each trilogy, and I'll have a different editor for my next trilogy. And I just I want them to concentrate on story and arc rather than giving me lots of notes on. The grammar is out here or, there's, but, you know, I don't want my editor that I'm paying hundreds of pounds to be picking out things that my proofreader should be picking out. I want them mm-hmm. to concentrate on, on story and arc. So, um, yeah, it goes through an editor then who will have it for about two weeks. She will send it back to me or he and then it will go through three rounds of proofread and then beta readers before I'm, you know, publishing it. So it's it's a bit it's a more elongated. This is why you can write a book in two months, Robert, than it takes it takes me half a a year.
1: It's a much more professional process. (laughs) (laughs) But but the 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 main difference between you
0: and I is that you I have to go through this whole process every time I'm writing a book of who is the character, what's she going to be like, what's her voice, what music does she listen? I'm creating new all the time whereas you're writing in series so Mm you you know your voice you know your character you know your execution Um, so it it really should take me twice as long to write a novel as it takes you that makes that's just common sense you 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 know a lot of the things it might take me three weeks to work out such as voice or or the arc and um and when does the second act kick in yours is it, it follows a formula so it's you know all this stuff but it could take me a month to work out
1: Exactly. Some people, David, may say I'm lazy, but I like to think I've done it pretty smart.
0: Oh yeah, I think you've done a start. I think uh, you've done it smart. If we're picking a lazy person now to win the Authors Podcast, it's definitely the Irish guy. To win the Authors. Robert, it's time for the mailbag. Okay, this week we had sent into our Facebook group a question from a former Seven Questions guest and that is Catherine Yaff.
1: Yeah, she's come back.
0: Yeah, she's great, Catherine. She has asked us the following question, Robert. Um, Guys, how do you manage your time between writing, marketing and accounts? Do you allocate, for example, mornings to writing, afternoons to admin and marketing, etc.? How would you answer Catherine there, Rob?
1: Um, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm very strict with yeah. my time. Um, so I know what I'm doing the week, next week, the week prior. So I'll always plan it out. Um, so if I know it's the beginning of the month, I'll plan out a day, which is update all my spreadsheets, my trackers, my stuff to my accountant. So I think I'm pretty big on it. I've banged this drum quite a lot. If you do your admin regularly, it never becomes a big task. Yeah. Because um, it only takes little bit of time just to keep adding on adding on um so i feel like the admin side of being an indie author gets blown out of proportion by a lot I, of people. i totally
0: agree with you yeah
1: um people say oh, i've got to set up loads of ads well it, 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 it takes an hour or so so i think if you just set aside a bit of time if you know what bit of admin you want to do so say you know i'm going to set up some amazon ads this week so I've got to do some uh, research on keywords, ASIN numbers, and then set them all up. It's probably going to take me two hours. Set aside two hours. Yeah. And make sure you stick to it. Um yeah. Apart from that, I don't really have like a writing in the morning, this in the afternoon. I just look at my days, say, okay, well, I can have a block of writing there. I can have a block of writing there, block of writing there. Yeah. I should probably do this here, do this here. Um, But I think it's, it's one of those things is, if you don't stay on top of all of the stuff yeah then you're gonna start sacrificing the writing time to to catch up on it so that'd be my main thing would be just stay on top of things put in the time you need to to do them and then you won't really need to have like a routine that revolves around like i can never understand having like a whole week's worth of afternoons of admin yeah personally. yeah
0: your day can be diverse rather than your Mm. yeah your month um. Yeah. Well, well, I see it this way, Catherine. I see. I have. Um. I give myself four tasks every day, and that is, split, this way. I will do. I will give. Say, I have four hours before lunch and four hours after lunch, which sounds like a, a very regular working day. I will have my first two hours are normally sorting out some admin or some. You know, checking out my ads, making sure they're working, staying on top of my admin, such as just putting aside some numbers and accounts in case uh, at the end of the month when it makes it easier for me to come through them. So I don't start being creative between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. because my brain doesn't work that way. Between Mm. 11 and sort of half 12 or one o'clock by the time I I split for some lunch, that's when I tend to be at my most creative in the day. So that's when I will do my writing.
1: Mm.
0: I tend to do that first draft that time of the day Um, and funny enough I think I'm really creative I do my redrafting the process I talked you through there of writing in different voices and and finding the different voices and really really refining my book I tend to do that at night tend to be have a really good flow with me at night time I'll just light a candle and uh, have a glass of quill. wine, <laughs> yeah get my quail and um, so yeah find out when remember your books Catherine are gonna be the most important your your yeah. your your writing is the most important so find out when you're best at that and then work the rest of it around it. But um I would say twenty five percent of my day, one quarter of it is actually writing. And other parts are to do with marketing or accounts or, or other administrative things or watching Netflix, which I do a lot of, of course. So find out when you're best at writing. Maybe split your day into four if you can, like I do, or if you, if you can find that way. I'm not sure what would work for you. Um, but find it's the most important thing is to find out when you're going to be at your best for being creative and pencil those sort of areas in for that's when you're going to be working on your manuscript.
1: To
0: the Rob, it's come to my favorite part of the show again. It's time for the seven questions, and this week I've lined up a stellar guest mm. best selling crime thriller author, Reese Dylan. Now, Reese, your real name is Dylan Jones. Is that correct? So, we're going to call you Dylan, which sounds like we're calling you a surname, <laughs> like a footballer.
2: Yeah, we're quite right. Uh, no. Uh, yes, it is. It is. Uh, the reason for that is that there are several Dylan or Dylan, as we say back here in Wales, Dylan Jones is out there, one of whom is the editor of GQ. I am not the editor That's right. of GQ. Yes. Oh, I've got the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we booked the wrong guest. As you can tell from the way I'm dressed. <laughs>
0: Well, Dylan, thank you so much. It's our pleasure to have you on for the next 20 minutes or so to Mm. face our seven questions. But before we ask you those seven questions, could you just tell us a little bit about your books uh, and let our listeners know about um, the genre you write in and how you've done so far?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, As I say, I'm I'm concentrating now on these police procedurals, which are regional, set in... Uh, the David Powys police area, which is the biggest geographical police area in the country, actually, which covers half of Wales. So okay. it's massive. Um, and this this all stems from uh, the period in lockdown when I had a, a, a little taste of what it was like to be retired from the day job. Um, And I thought to myself, yeah, I'll go back to my original voice, which is a male protagonist. And um, I I just uh, launched this last January. uh, And
0: it seems to be going well. Wow. And this is the Evan Warlow book? Correct. Correct. Okay. And the Engine House is book one. That is correct. Brilliant. Well, I have to say to our listeners, um, for a, a, a... lesson on what a book cover should look like to suit the genre Um check out reese dylan on amazon who nails oh. this sort of dark crime thriller genre in his whole aesthetic um, congratulations on your success so far dylan but um i think it all comes down to the next 20 minutes and these seven questions <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you think robert yeah. you want to hit him with question number one yeah go on then uh, so, Dylan, uh, question number one: Are you a full-time author? I am
2: a full-time author.
1: Congratulations! And I have been
2: for the last ten months. Uh, I retired uh, fully from medical practice. I was a doctor uh, in April, so uh, I've been doing this now completely uh, since then.
0: Wow! Fantastic. Congratulations on your success in in such a short time. Where did you publish your first book, Dylan? <laughs> Okay.
2: Yes, this is this is the overnight success that has taken 38 years, right? You know,
0: <laughs> one of those stories.
2: Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll be brief. My story is is quite convoluted. I, I published a book. Uh, I published a couple of crime books back in the 90s that were made into TV films by BBC. Oh, uh, nice. believe it or not, uh, but very much like other people who've been on this. Um, uh, on this program, you know, you think you get that little taste, and everything will change, but of course, it didn't. Uh, and yeah. I got a little bit—I felt a bit sour about it all. But, uh, and of course, I was balancing that with with a full time job in the NHS. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. I then veered off into doing some uh, writing things that I wanted to write, uh, uh, some passion projects which I know is close to your heart as well. Uh, um, but as I said, back in back in lockdown and just before lockdown, I would semi-retired from the NHS, so I had some time. I published uh, three books with Book Couture, okay. um under uh, under a different name as okay. Dylan as Dylan Young. That was aspirational on my part. Um, (laughs) And... Uh, another three books with with Bloodhound, but I, you, you know, I, I just felt that I was being pushed in a direction that I didn't want to go into, and uh, so I feel very comfortable in this um, in in this genre and in in the voice that I'm using now. So um, I, I thought I'd give it a go, uh, and I decided to do <laughs> I decided to do Rapid Release, which is something we can touch on if you like, mm-hmm. uh, and here we are. Uh, uh, where are we, six Six books and 12 months later Mm
0: Wow, incredible. That's that's fantastic. And I bet if Boko or Bloodhound came knocking on your door now you are likely to not answer. That is correct. <laughs> I've set the, <laughs> And said.
2: I, uh, I set the dog on them. No, they, I mean <laughs> it, it was good to work with them, but uh, yeah. you know, now I, now that I'm doing this and you know as well as anybody that you can do anything and everything better than they were doing for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's I, I, that's that's simplicity. That's the simplicity of it, isn't it? Really, there's nothing they can do that we can't do ourselves.
1: Yeah, no. I'd, I'd bang that drum also. quick uh, before we go on to question two, I do have a sub question for you there, Dylan. Could you? Yeah. Did mention about rapid release? Yeah. Um, which isn't something I don't think we've covered much on the podcast uh, so far. So mm-hmm. with that, I'm assuming you obviously release books rapidly. It's quite self-explanatory. Yes. But but did you have them like in the can, ready to go, or did you just write at like a rate of knots?
2: Well, that's a very interesting question, because I think that there are two schools of thought here. Mm. Um, the one is that it, 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 obviously the reason that, that I'm, I'm rapidly releasing is that in this genre, especially uh, we have whale readers. They they are voracious. You know, they yeah. will read mm-hmm. perhaps two or three books a day mm-hmm. and they want the next one uh, in your series. Um you know, what, what What sealed the deal for me here uh, after, after three books was that I, I, somebody kindly wrote back to me an email. Oh, Actually, it, it was an Amazon review, and they said, I came for the crime and I stayed for the characters. Now, right. that just put it in a nutshell for me. You know, I, I realised I was on to something here. And yep. that's what people want. So if you, if, you, if you let them go for six months, 12 months, they've forgotten about you. There's more frankly. characters. Yeah, yeah there's they other have. characters. So... I know quite a few of my colleagues um, live uh, literally by the seat of their pants. You know, they finish one book and they put it up for pre-order without having written it yet. I think that you do something like this, Rob. Is that Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm much more, um, uh, I spend a lot of time in the NHS uh, and in that you've got to do some forward planning. So I'd prefer to have three missiles in the silo before (laughs) I launch anything. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so that's your answer to that. I I write beforehand, uh, rather than uh, uh, you know wait until the next one is up there for pre-order and then tear my
0: hair out. Yeah. Yes, so the, the, the the gun is already loaded with bullets before you're pulling yeah. any trigger. Nine. Correct. Okay. Well, our listeners are gonna are gonna get a wealth of information out of you now, uh, Dylan. Which brings us the question to Then, what option have you chosen? Have you chosen to take your books wide? or are you exclusive at Amazon?
2: oh I'm exclusive yeah mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm like you guys I'm exclusive for for ebooks and I'm wide for paperbacks um, I also p- put the paperbacks up, up on Ingram Spark, mm-hmm. so that they're available in, in from anywhere you know you can buy those via online and watson's anywhere uh, yeah. which is which is great um, I, I'm I, I know you know you've touched on the, the fear of Amazon in the past uh, i.e. what might happen in the future should they decide to do something which they're quite capable of doing Um but they do so much, you know, behind the green curtain, frankly, yeah. uh, for, for us. Uh, and I, I, I've been listening to the podcast. I've been listening to you guys. I'm exactly the same. I'm about 60% KU mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and uh, the rest of the sales. Um, and, they, you know, I, I just wouldn't try and do it now wide. I think it's too much work. Uh, at, at the rate at which I release, it would definitely be too much yeah. work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the KU page reads are, especially in the genres that you write in, yep. which is series, as you say, those whales are out there just waiting to, to lap up the next book. And, and Absolutely. KU.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's your answer for that. No, I am exclusive. Brilliant. Fantastic. Um, question number three, Dylan, uh, is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. OK, that's a very, it's
2: a bit like uh, Desert Island Discs, this, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you've got, I've got about 20 things that I wanted to say. But, yeah. but I'm going to be slightly controversial here. And I would say to you, the one service that I use a lot of is the Facebook ads library, Meta Library. Oh. Yeah. And that th- that will lead into marketing. But uh I mean this is this is when you look at the genre uh, that I've got you know it's very competitive and you, you've got you've got lots of players in there you've got the individuals like me you've also got some good digital uh, um, publishers too who quite frequently will feature in the top three or four uh, on release of their uh, their stables uh, books. Yeah. And, uh, w- you know, I find that uh, I've learned an awful lot from going onto the Facebook ads library because these guys, the digital publishers, they employ people to do their Facebook ads for them. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't afford to do that. So what I will do is pop in and see, okay, what are these guys doing? Yeah. You know, what are these guys doing to get their people in the top 10 on, on release? Uh, and I've learned an awful lot. It's free, completely free, uh and you can peruse anybody and everybody's uh, facebook um uh, approach you know ads approach to what they're yeah. doing um and and i i must say that if you haven't if you haven't done that yet you 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 will be totally blown away by what you find
0: yeah so the facebook ads library is um software where you can put in a publisher name or an author name and you can see what ads they are currently running on facebook
2: correct yeah, and yeah. it takes yeah. it takes a minute. takes a minute to do.
0: Yeah, really yes. good. Yeah, it's yeah, that's that's one, one of the best answers we've had um, for that particular question. And as you said, Dylan, you, you, there's twenty or thirty services that you could name that you you really need <laughs> to run the yeah. business you're running. But the Facebook Ads Library, great question. And if you have not checked it out. Definitely worth checking out as it's free to use. Now, that brings us on to question four. Now, you've done so well in your indie career. Um, Our listeners are really going to want to know the answer to this. How have you marketed these books to success, Dylan?
2: Okay. Um, I'm very simple. Uh, Facebook and Amazon. I I, I don't use anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The demographic that I've had, uh, are basically on Facebook. They're not on TikTok. Uh, it, they may be on Instagram, but um, I, I, you know, it's 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 like all these things. I've chosen to concentrate on two things. So seventy percent of my ads are Facebook. Thirty percent are Amazon spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect that that might change as the number of books increases um, yeah. to shift a little bit more towards Amazon. Um, I'm I'm. Now, um, looking to out, well, looking to outsource my Amazon ads because I I just find them too mind-boggling to get to grips with. Yeah, uh, and there are good people out there that will do it for you. Um, but uh, Facebook, seventy percent, definitely,
0: you still get I think more bang for your buck on, on Facebook.
1: I agree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they're easier to handle. If you want to spend a hundred pounds a day on Facebook ads, it will spend a hundred pound for you. Whereas Amazon I just it's just such a a tough job for them to get this get them to spend your money. So I'm the same as you. About seventy percent of my spend goes on Facebook, thirty percent on Amazon yeah. ads.
2: I, yeah. I, I just wanted to touch on something you, you, you mentioned in your last uh, podcast about Amazon, sorry, Facebook attribution. You know, I, I, it was me that asked the question, of course. Oh, yeah. That's right. It was. It, and it, and it, I agree with you. It's, you know, we're not quite sure what's going on there yet, because no. uh, obviously there's no direct link between your attribution outcomes and what you're seeing in sales. And I think that perhaps, you know, there's a fudge factor here, as it often is in these things. Because of the, the, your attribution is only showing direct sales, but um, there's this sort of, you know, seven touches before you get a sale, right? Yep. So if yeah. you see your book on Facebook, then it'll be maybe people forget about it, then they'll see it on Amazon. So it's not attributed directly to yeah. your ad, but, but you're right. There's a lot more work to be done on that. It's useful, I think, at the moment, only in comparing your ads to one another, yeah. Because you can see that yes. this one's doing okay, this one's not doing as well as that one, and at least you've yes. got
0: some sort of marker then to see what's going on. Yeah. Absolutely, I've had the same experience of you over the past week or ten days, Dylan, where I've been looking at attribution. And if I'm sell, if I sell a hundred books in a day, only through my Facebook ads, and then I look at the attribution, it's saying you've sold seventeen books. I go well, yeah. I haven't sold seventeen. I've sold many, many more than that. But yeah. where, where are these sales coming from? And you're right. Our ads are a little bit more branding, branding awareness. So they yeah. think, oh, that David Lines book looks interesting. And they might log on to Amazon in four or five days time to buy it rather yep. than rather than just doing it initially through the link that you set yep. up through your ad so yep. don't go by attribution links listeners Um, it's likely to only be serving you about 20 percent of your sales total and it's as dylan said the genius of attribution links to help us is by comparing which ad that we're running is working best
1: so that leads us on to uh, question five, Dylan. And that's, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Uh, okay.
2: Um, that, that, again, is a very difficult question. I, I think if we go back to the beginning, you know, the the outset, then I, I, I've got a bit of a quote here, you know, not to be naive and to be beware of false idols. I, I, you know, when, when you start writing, you, you want validation, and that's what pe- that's what happens to people you know that's why they go to the to the to the agents and the um uh the big the big publishers they want to know if whether that what they're doing is is any good of course we have the advantage now is that you can put two or three books out there fairly quickly and you know straight away mm-hmm. if they're any good or not because people will be buying them yeah uh and uh, yeah, you know i, I th- i've got a theory really that um you know editors uh, working in the publishing com- uh, in the publishing industry, they're just people with opinions, yes, uh, educated opinions, but they are just opinions. If they knew what sold books, everything they published would be selling. Yes, they, they're just people with opinions, and I've come to realize that you know your opinion is just as valid, probably more valid. Sometimes the quickest way to do it these days is to write your book to your satisfaction, put it out there, and you'll find out whether or not it's any good.
0: So true. And it's such a good point that the, the editors, and I've worked with a few of these, I've actually been an editor at a, a publishing company. You're, it's just one person's opinion. It really all it is. I'll never forget a, a phone call I had with one publishing company where they were spelling out, oh, this is what we want you to rewrite. This is what you want, want you to rewrite. We want you to rewrite it in this voice. And I was thinking, no, <laughs> that's, there's just there's absolutely no way I'm going to do that. And it was no. just this one person's opinion. And it was so off as far as i was concerned that that it was that moment where i realized that i shouldn't be holding myself account to this person's opinion it's really not that valuable to me and yet it's all i had wanted for a couple of years beforehand so it's yeah it it, it takes finding that out and a trigger going off in your head to realize no i can do this independently and much more successfully yep Brill. So that brings us to question five, or oh, no, question six. Dylan, you are almost there. We're, we're the finishing line is in sight. Um, always an interesting answer from this one. This question six: What's the biggest frustration for you as an independent author?
2: Um. Okay. Well, I, I had to think about this as well, and I think the answer has to be uh, in this day and age, it would be the bots the dreaded bots that will pick up yeah. on your advert and say they don't like this for no reason at all. Sometimes it's been an advert that's been running successfully for six months and you just change something in it and they'll say, no, we don't like that. And then the time that it takes to get through to somebody that can actually yeah. sort it out, i.e. a human, yeah. is really frustrating because you, yeah. you just have got no recourse. You know, You just have to sit there. And I've had friends who've had their accounts paralyzed or frozen, you know, for, for a reason that they never really find no. out why. So yeah. um, I, I know that the, the bots are there for, to try and safeguard uh, um, it, it, people, and I, I understand that completely. But I, I certainly think that Amazon of late, you know, they, they, they have set up KDP and they're, they're putting resources into KDP and that sort of stuff. But I think that they, they need to put the big the meta as well. They need to put more resources into interacting with us. You know, because they—they they are surely—you know—we're the advertisers, we're the guys who mm. are paying them, and
1: I know that's a false yeah. hope,
2: but it is certainly one of my frustrations. Yeah, one I
1: can—I can echo with you, uh, Dylan. I've, as someone who's had very successful ads suddenly shut down after like a year running them, when they can't give me the reason why, Um, it can be wildly yeah. frustrating. So I think we've all been there at some point. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: um yeah yeah slave we to the are. algorithms um,
1: but you yeah. will after the next question you will no longer be a slave to the seven questions Dylan, because it is the final one and that question is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners okay Okay, I have got one piece of advice, I've got lots of pieces of
2: it, but there we are, we'll try and keep it small. Well, you know, the main one, the glib one is that it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know. I mean, if you think that you're going to put one book out there and everything's going to come your way, it's not going to work. You have to invest the time and the understanding and the time mm-hmm. to learn. More than anything else, um, in order to become the, the 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 business side of things, I've got some caveats here. You know, I'm I'm coming at it from rapid release, David. I know you're not. Um, you you, you know your 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 books come in trilogies, really. I understand uh, rather than you know yeah. long series. Um, but I would mm-hmm. say that uh, just as 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 practical pieces of advice, you know, not to worry too much about Amazon ads. In, in in series fiction until about book five um, uh, but I would say that if, if people aren't using Amazon ads what they should do is is even if there's book one or two out is to use the defensive ads uh, I, I, You know, these are the ads that you're advertising against your own books these are cheap to run they are very effective because you are the most relevant person mm-hmm. to your book so and I'm talking about looking on the product page there where your book comes out and then you'll find as you know next to your book sponsored products maybe three or four other books from other competitors you can safeguard that really easily by doing by doing defensive ads to advertise against your own book they are cheap because you're the most relevant person to that book and you know you should do that right from the word go when you've got more than one book out uh, because people will see your other book there straight away um Use the Facebook ads library. uh, And you've already know that if you're going to do rapid release, my recommendation is to have two or three books in your pocket before you start off, because it becomes a very quick roundabout once you start going.
0: Yeah, such invaluable advice. Really, really, really impressive advice there. And just to sort of emphasize or to give context to your main piece of advice there Dylan and that is you advertising targeting your own books correct on Amazon, yep. yes. So yep. if you have a book out, advertise other books using the keywords from that original book. So your books the are ASIN, constantly yeah. showing around, or the ASINs. Yep. So your books are constantly on show when people search for you yeah. or your and books. correct.
1: Just yep. to add on to that, then, because that is fantastic advice, and I do that. Interestingly, I don't know if it's the same for you or the same for you, David, if you do it, but actually my most successful Amazon ads are the ones that I run to myself. Yep. By, Completely by too, yeah. By a country mile Um, Country mile. Yeah, I'd say about (laughs) 80% of my Amazon ad sales, the ones that attribute to Amazon ads, come from ones that are linked to my keywords or my ASINs. So that piece of advice there is crucial if people want to get Amazon ads to be profitable is yes, indeed I would say
0: which takes us to the mm. end Dylan thank you so so much for um, allowing us to take up your morning you are uh, absolute you you, re, you genuinely are a role model for how we can do this and how we can sort of even do it and turn over such big incomes within just what is it, is it, it uh, when, is, when did you release the first book in that series January 2020 last year 22 oh wow 20, that's incredible, incredible it really is over four and a half thousand fantastic reviews of your first book and it's reese dylan that's r-h-y-s d-y-l-a-n check reese's books out on amazon for just a really concise way of how you can through your book covers tell your readers what the genre is it's just it's just your whole packaging is fantastic uh dylan and congratulations on your success this far
2: i, I ought to give a shout out to tim barber who's the designer there yeah it, it's uh he's amazing fantastic
0: oh tim well done so check out tim barber as well I'm actually on the look. I'm, I'm actually on the lookout for a uh, oh, okay. cover designer. So, DM me. I'll be checking it. Yes, <laughs> okay. I will indeed. Uh, thank you again for for spending time with us this morning. Thank you so much, Dylan. Cheers, guys.
2: Two in the
1: well, David, another wonderful seven questions. I thought. Yeah, yeah, Dylan
0: was fantastic again. Another great indie author, and more tips um, for our listeners. Just, I, I just love this uh, segment of the show.
1: Mm, it's fantastic, and you always bang the drum about branding. Um, I think if you, if people go and have a look at uh, Reese Dylan on Amazon and see how his books look in a row, you can tell. Like you always say, you can tell an author's book by just looking at them, and uh, his branding spot on. Yeah, there he Uh Uh-huh. We've come to the end of another episode. It's been emotional. It has. Um, What are you doing for the next week before I leave you?
0: I am plotting out the sequel novella to Whatever Happened to Betsy Blake, which Mm. um, we've been talking about plotting out uh, during this episode. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get my bullet points down on that over the next week. And I will also you know i'll do some mindfulness and you know some long baths with glasses of wine trying to think through this this <laughs> process for the next trilogy that has sort of already started to uh, simmer in my brain so i i'm, I'm going to be for the first time this year i'm going to be really creative over the next um, couple of weeks i've given my my self the month of february to you know get the bones of this Betsy Blake sequel novella down on paper and to conceive the next trilogy as it's going on i've still got these screenplays with, with my agent sort of simmering somewhere in the background so it, that will be part of it and i might get a phone call that will disrupt my february but that's mm. what i'm planning over the next week or so what about you rob
1: Um, I am back into writing properly next week. So, um, like I said earlier, I've got my deadline in place. So, I've got a few months to start writing. I've got an exciting set of uh, chapters to go. So, I'm just going to get my head down and do as much writing as possible um, for the Sand Pope 11. Uh, But in the background of that, I have a book bub on Tuesday, an international one for the first in my Bermuda Jones series. Oh, nice. So... Yeah, so the the project of resuscitating that series is underway. So oh, for the month of February, I'm aiming to do writing wise is all Sam Pope, but like admin and marketing wise is all Bermuda Jones. Great, which is also quite exciting because it just diversifies what I'm kind of focusing my my mind on. So that'll Great. be it, pretty much
0: sounds good um, best of luck with the creative process we should just say to our listeners if they do want to take part in the seven questions there is a form pinned to the top of the Facebook group to in the authors podcast mm-hmm. we are also all oh, we we do have a few lined up but we would love a bigger back catalog of mailbag questions so anything niggling away at you with regards your in the author career just ask us and we will address it on the show you can also reach out to me if you wanted to reach out to me personally at the is my website robert if our listeners wanted to reach out to you uh
1: they could probably find me most likely on facebook just under robert enright um and you'll just see my my little face there um oh yeah little face my little face bless it um i'm going to take this face and i'm going to leave the show david so okay have a great week mate you too buddy